2: Roto World Football Podcast. My name is Josh Norris, and joined here as always on what typically is the end of a fantasy week, and we look ahead to the next fantasy week on this waiver wire twenty minute episode. It is John Daigle. Daigle, how you doing, buddy?
3: It's it's the most important one, actually. This is the <laughs> is week it? before the fantasy playoffs. Yeah. everything should typically be in line for us to address everyone directly and tell them exactly what to do. But the fact is, this year, as we were talking about for a Behind the Curtain's Peak before the show, is that even when we get the people prepared, the fact is, we and them are still not prepared, unfortunately. So I really hope we are doing our jobs, and I think we do, considering we record this on Monday afternoon, Monday nights, and we have to say these things that usually become news by Wednesday morning. We have right. to be that far ahead by looking at everything. But the fact is, like you can tell everyone to pick up Gus Edwards and argue about Justice Hill, but then, of course, maybe a game gets pushed back twice, and suddenly J.K. Dobbins becomes the play again. We don't know anymore. And so I I would like to think, Josh, that we are doing our job, but I'm also hitting a wall and reaching a breaking point now.
2: We are doing our jobs on Monday night. We also do our jobs, Daigle, on the Thursday preview show, where we go game by game. Mm -hmm. But then... I go back and listen to that, and by Friday at noon, some of that stuff is is out the window. It's thrown completely out the window. And then Saturday, don't even get me started with last Saturday. It's just it, it's simply incredible. And I, I appreciate everyone for tuning into our content, for Absolutely. reading it, all that kind of stuff. At some point, it feels like we need to do this on a daily basis, but we also need to have a life. You know, don't have one.
3: I don't, have, I don't have one lot. <laughs>
2: I'll tell you what my life was today, Dago. I'm exhausted. What is it? So my girlfriend had – we're like do this oh, well, long-distance thing. You
3: just admitted it on the podcast. Yeah, this is yeah, the first yeah. time you've done it yeah, all yeah. season long. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. a very big deal. You told us privately, and I haven't made a joke about it yet. Usually I, I poke at your dating life, but I haven't yet this is because true. it's actually serious for a change.
2: Look, I, I revealed my six-minute date. Why can't I – It's a I, big day. Yeah, why can't I reveal this as well? Anyways, big day. it is like a semi-long-distance – relationship where part of it is in Charlotte, part of it, most of it's in Connecticut slash New York. So she thought it was just the best idea, John Daigle, to sign up for online workout classes together and as as like a bonding activity. So I did our first one today. It was supposed to be strength. I mean, all of them are just going to be cardio for me. I am so exhausted. I'm just so glad that no one could see what I was doing on camera and that they were just focused on doing their own thing. So I I feel
3: like you're like me in that way and that uh, whatever your group, partner, whatever the case is, they want to do something, you go do it with no shame at all. Whereas you just throw in your life (laughs) and you don't care what the results are at all, right? Uh, Yeah, I mean... I don't care what anyone thinks about when I do something. I don't care at
2: all. She knows my schedule. She knows I can't say no at six o'clock on a Monday and six Uh, o'clock on a Tuesday. You had no way out is what you're saying. I had no way out. In (laughs) fact, it was very much a, I'm going to drop this hint. Be like, oh, I signed up for these. And then she waits three or four days for me to realize, oh, she told me she signed up because she wants me to sign up along with her and do them with her. So I'm still learning this relationship thing. I mean, I, I'm i certainly not professional at it. I'm not a master of it. I just hope that, you know, my performances doesn't turn this ship into a screeching halt faster than it, it needs to.
3: It doesn't help that it's the time of the year where we start trying to get back into that off-season routine, but we're gasping a little more and we realize the it's last so 13 <laughs> weeks, like the clothes are a little bit tighter. Dude, like, look at this jacket. My pectorals all that are, have now <laughs> become lumps are just like poking out because... Like, clearly the last 13 weeks in the holidays have caught up to me already. This happens every single year.
0: Dietz Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference.
2: Let's get into some football stuff. Um, I know in your column, it's up on the site about 2 Eastern after lunch. um, You have drops. You have ads. You have deep cuts. Look, the football week isn't even over yet. So I think we can only help people as much as humanly possible at this point. And I'm not even sure if there's people to drop because by the time we get to Sunday, some of those names might end up being in the starting lineup. That's happened to us in – Recent weeks, but maybe we can look at it from this perspective. We have seen the likes of Austin Eckler come back and, you know, immediately make Joshua Kelly, other than a goal line touchdown plunge, irrelevant. Uh, we've seen Raheem Moser come back and look outstanding. And, you know, that might have some trickle down to uh, Jack McKinnon and obviously Tevin Coleman, who's not even on the field right now. Any names like that that are worth droppable right now?
3: Well, I know it's Jarrett McKinnon. That's the name I brought up. Um, this year, as we've talked about at the beginning of every show pretty much, it's a little bit tougher now to drop individuals um, because people keep getting injured. People surprisingly, as you know from Saturday's news shift, get shifted to the COVID list, and we just aren't expecting it whatsoever. So who knows who is actually droppable nowadays anymore. But we know that before San Francisco goes by, Jarrett McKinnon had 16 And no, I'm sorry, 15 and 19 touches. And then, of Mm -hmm. course, Raheem Mostert comes back for a TMI 16 carries. Jeff Wilson comes back for his normal role behind Raheem Mostert with 12 carries. And then, uh, and Jarrett McKinnon, of course, just falls in line with five touches. So, Jarrett McKinnon, strictly the passing down option. It's Hayden Winks wrote in his one of his four fantasy issues columns to open (laughs) the week if you go look at it, strictly a third down option and passing down guy, whereas Raheem Mostert only got one of his 18 touches on third down. Their roles are very clear and defined, and I would argue that Mostert's 48% of snaps for San Francisco was a low that he's going to see in his first game back from injury. I would think he increases to 55 to 65% moving forward, even if it's Jeff Wilson or Tevin Coleman behind him. So uh, I think that's how it happens now. And you can drop, in my opinion, Jarrett McKinnon. But again, not a heated, like a sexy drop like we normally have for the people to get angry about. Just a guy that I don't think you need in the final week before the fantasy playoffs because you're trying to stash guys that we are about to talk about that are more important for elite upside on the back of your bench.
2: I'm going to ask you a question later about running back insurance because I think this is like the type of year that – you know, we don't advocate for in season long leagues to, to draft running back insurance, but I feel like this is the type of, of point of the season when adding them to your bench isn't the worst idea, especially if you have an extra spot oh. or two. And especially with players going in IR more frequently this year, it makes a lot of sense. I did see I'm just looking at some leagues that I'm in right now, some transactions, and it's because of just the madness that's happened with the Ravens this week in my league J- in one of them. J.K. Dobbins was let go. Marquise Brown was let go. I mean, I feel like, again, neither has been overly productive this year. I would side with J.K. Dobbins more than Marquise Brown, obviously. But as the final one or two members of your bench, go, you could do far worse.
3: So to be clear, J.K. Dobbins, remember, it, it seems like an eternity ago, I know. It seems like forever ago. But the last time he played, which was just last Sunday, I believe, or two weeks ago, whatever that was, with Gus Edwards and Mark Ringer both available, Neither of those players were factors whatsoever. JK, it was the show for 17 touches and 77% of Baltimore snap, uh, backfield touches. Um, Dobbins played 41 snaps to Edwards 13 and Mark Ingram 6. And they were all healthy for the first time like since Mark Ingram actually got injured. So it is on Wednesday now that Ingram and Dobbins are both cleared to play on Wednesday night. It is the J.K. Dobbins show, I'm assuming, because that was what happened the last time we saw them. So Mm -hmm. although Edwards was one of the headliners for last week's waivers column, things have changed. The game has been postponed twice. That means that Dobbins is now suddenly available to play. And I would imagine he is the bell cow you want among that backfield and honestly the league winner as long as his usage assumes from the week we saw him last.
2: And I believe Lamar should be back in time for their other game to be moved, which I believe is on I mean, Tuesday yeah. night, like next week yeah. against the Dallas Cowboys. Drastic. And and the reason I say that, look, we've talked about Marquise Brown, this show and negatively often this season, but Dagle, we're at the point of the season where we can basically eliminate entire teams from fantasy relevancy, right? We can eliminate the Bengals. Basically. I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles are an argument that you could eliminate starting almost all those players on on your team right now, not named Dallas Goddard, the Giants without Daniel Jones. I could keep going on and on. So at least these teams that have shown some semblance of explosion and productivity... Maybe they can put it together in a one or two game stretch against good matchups. And and that's just why I wanted to bring this up since I don't want people thinking we are contradicting ourselves. That, now, that's why I brought those names up.
3: Marquise Brown was the headline drop we talked about. And I, I right. believe that still having said that Willie Snead got put on the COVID list since that time. So like, what do you, what do you expect us to do? Like,
2: and so did no, Mark Andrews.
3: Jonathan T- and, and of course, and Mark Andrews, like Jonathan Taylor we thought we argued about whether he'd be the bell cow. And now he he went on the COVID list, of course. And then it became Naheem Hines over Jordan Wilkins. Like we can only do so much and we are trying. And like I said, I I really hope we are ahead of the pack. But right now, every day, every week is just absolute insanity.
1: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of
0: a detour.
2: All right, let's talk about some ads. Um, We saw Josh Jacobs leave with an injury. I'm not sure what the status is right now, Daigle, but even in spots where Josh Jacobs has played, There have been moments where Devontae Booker, who's available in 91% of Yahoo leagues out there, has been a bright spot.
3: I was on Monday's news shift that was chaotic and forced me to go have sushi dinner and drink lots of sake. So I can attest that I know what Jacob's injury is. And so far, it sounds like he's at least questionable for Sunday. Uh, Devontae Booker came in and was not impressive. Five carries for six yards, I believe. The difference is, though, he's now playing the Jets who, yes, have a strong front seven, but all, have also allowed the most running back receptions to opposing running backs. That's I just said the same thing twice. Whatever the case, we know it's a good matchup against the Jets. We know that Derek Carr, although did not show up in one of the most surprising and miserable letdowns of the entire Week mm-hmm. 12, um, a non-factor there, and he was forced to put his foot on the gas against the Chiefs the week prior. But before these last two games that we can throw out... Averaged 24 pass attempts per game and three games prior, because the Raiders' offense was too good and they were stomping teams. And so against the Jets, who have now totaled totaled 22 points in their last three games with Sam Darnold under center, 27 by the way, in their last two games with Joe Flacco under center, who at least throws deep balls accurately. Um, we know that the Raiders' offense will probably gain a big lead in this one and look to lean on their offense on the ground. So Devontae Booker, not the best matchup, but clearly a priority pickup this week.
2: Let's talk about another running back, Cam Akers. Cam Akers is available in 71% of Yahoo leagues out there. It is basically week 13 Daigle. We still don't know how to have actionable info on this LA Rams backfield. It feels like it changes every week. It feels like at points, and I would even say still, in the present, Daryl Henderson is their best ball carrier in terms of explosion. K-Makers, again, has had bits and pieces and and splash plays that have shown a lot of positivity. But I don't know if I can you know, confidently start someone who might get five or six or seven touches in the game. But we're kind of at that point in the season, right, Daigle?
3: And I would actually disagree with you because Daryl Henderson was their most explosive ball carrier. But the fact is, we now have a three-game sample since this quad injury, and he's averaged two yards per carry. 25 Mm. carries for 52 yards and a single touchdown. Whereas, they were looking for something, anything, anybody to move the ball on Sunday. And of course, that led to Cam Akers in the second half getting a 61-yard run, and single-handedly engineering a drive by himself with three carries that he capped off with a touchdown. Um, Nine carries for 84 yards, just moving the ball in that game. And I would like to at least think that won him the role over two other running backs, and we know how much I've defended here in the past. But the fact is him and Malcolm Brown just haven't been good recently, and Mm. they need an explosive running back who is clearly fresh, Because we've argued weekly how many touches he's going to get. And the fact is he hasn't received many at all. I think his season high is 11. So Cam Akers now, I believe this is finally the time. Would I trust it immediately as an RB2 this week? No. But as a flex option, you're desperate. You're looking on the waiver wire for something, anything to get you by. And an up-tempo matchup, by the way, against the Cardinals. I, I think, yes, that Cam Akers is finally time to shine.
2: And look, there are times when rookies or random players make us fantasy gold Absolutely. in terms of week 15, week 16, week 17, that change the course of your fantasy season. And, Dago, and I'm looking at the Rams schedule the rest of the way. It's the Cardinals, it's the Patriots, it's the Jets, it's the Seahawks, and it's the Cardinals again. Right. I mean, some of those teams are playing better than previous, but at times – All four of those defenses have been among the worst in the NFL. So go ahead.
3: Side note, by the way, uh, between us, it's a a big podcast. I know it's not really between us, but I've already bet. I was so confident in it. I've already bet the Rams two and a half to open the week. Do you agree with that line or do you think that's a bad number? Because they they come out and squash the Cardinals, right?
2: Well, yeah, I, I think it's totally up to if Kyler Murray's running the football or not. You know he's had his
3: shoulder's been bad the past two weeks.
2: Yeah, I think he's had a combined forty-six rushing yards the last two games. Oof. Meanwhile, in the previous either three or four combined, I think four combined, he rushed for like two hundred something yards and four touchdowns in that span. So we know that that is one of the unguardable plays in football. So if Kyler Murray, as Pat alluded to on the game-by-game recap show, um, if if he can't run, then his ability to carry this team. And he has to do that at times is almost eliminated.
3: I think that was a social media clip as well. Fantasy managers be like Kyler Murray can't run. All right. Let's talk Mm -hmm. about
2: Gabriel Davis because he's available in 97% of Yahoo leagues out there. We've seen Gabriel Davis in spots where John Brown plays to still put up production. Well, John Brown is out and maybe it wasn't just a one game injury and Gabriel Davis went out there and, and played extremely well. Now, We also have this trend of Brian Dayball, when he doesn't have, you know, his best four wide receivers out there, tends to rely more on the running game. And that was a part of their win this past weekend. But, Dago, I'm sure Gabriel Davis played a boatload of snaps, and he was extremely productive in his opportunities.
3: 97% of the snaps, to be exact. And as we talked about in the recap show I don't think he was looking to depend on the running backs. I think it's because Josh Allen was under so much duress, in particular by Joey Bosa single-handedly, that they had to get the ball off as quick as possible, which led to more involvement for Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. But Gabriel Davis, of course, caught his touchdown pass from Cole Beasley, but was still on the field. And as again, like you mentioned in the recap show, also a 44-yard grab that was very impressive as well. So it seems like he's here to stay. John Brown, of course, DNP all of last week. We'll have to see what his practice reports are this week. But if he's healthy, uh, we can assume that every Bills matchup, honestly, is one to attack because their defense can't stop anyone. And they're still leaning on Josh Allen when he's healthy as well. Yes, he's been slightly worse without John Brown. But Gabriel Davis is clearly a full-time player in the lineup across from Stephon Diggs. And so that's the guy we're targeting here.
2: Let's close with this Texan situation because Will Fuller has been dynamite this season. Will Fuller has been outstanding this season. Will Fuller made everyone who drafted him look great this season. And now he's going to miss the next six games, including the final five of the 2020 season. Um, There is no one for one replacement, right? Daigle, but names that are brought up are Kiki Cutie and Jordan Akins, who both really haven't done that much since being drafted in the same draft class, but You're also talking about when Bill O'Brien did select these two players, highlighted their ability to get the interior passing game going. And we know Will Fuller is much more and has a much more expansive role than any one player can fill.
3: And it's not just Will Fuller who's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. So remember, this six-game suspension will carry over into week one for whomever resigns them. Maybe it's the Texans, maybe it's not next year. Um, Kenny Steele is also, they re- they waived him, of course. He's not yeah. on the team. And Randall Cobb's still on injured reserve. So there's clearly lots of vacant targets and air yards to go around here. What is worrisome is that historically, Deshaun Watson has averaged over a yard and a half fewer per yards per attempt, right, um, without Will Fuller. But that has also been when he's had Deshaun, um, DeAndre Hopkins on the field, so what happens now when he's been worse without Will Fuller, but also doesn't have one of the best receivers in the league? He now looks up and sees Brandon Cooks, the guy I'm suggesting who's not a replacement whatsoever, but a high floor option in QT from the slot. And then maybe he's a Josh Norris guy. Maybe you don't know anything about him at all. Isaiah Koutier, who is the mm. only other active receiver on this roster right now. Um, quickly, before you get into that, I will say, I think Jordan Akins is a sneaky pivot not only do you not have to use the opportunity cost on wasting a a lot of fab on in a roster spot on Kiki QT, but Jordan Akins were always clamoring for a tight end. And quite frankly, he dropped two end zone targets just last week on Thanksgiving. So he was being used even with Fuller on the field. I think that's the guy. But if we can get some value out of QT and then this Kultier guy, I'm probably mispronouncing it as well, then so be it too.
2: Yeah, and I thought it was important that Deshaun Watson came out of the game and said, hey, it's on me that I missed Jordan Akins for basically two touchdowns. So I don't know. I mean, Deshaun Watson is playing as a top three player in the league. I mean, he is playing so well. Um, And and we've been asking all offseason for Brian Kelly to make things easy for Deshaun Watson. I'm not saying everything is, but there's a nice mix. It's a much better mix than we've seen for years for Watson to have in Houston. But losing this piece It'll be interesting to see what happens because he has been a reason, a major reason why, you know, people who roster him are number one, number two, or number three seeds. And seeing that offense possibly tank just a little bit once they're in the fantasy playoffs, it's, it's just bad timing. It's bad timing. It,
3: well, it's also, it came out of nowhere. Like nowhere. It, it just dropped a bomb on the, on a Monday and suddenly you don't have like the wide receiver 11 to 12 on the year. You're not prepared at all to, to it, play.
2: It, it makes you makes you wonder how long he's been sitting on in that information because these things go yeah. through appeals, right? And obviously all the appeals are already done. And if that you know, was part of the conversation during the trade deadline and then obviously his teammate Bradley Roby, it seems like tested positive for the exact same thing. So who knows what's going on there? All right. Talked about all the ads. Is there any deep cuts? I mean, kind of the whole list is deep cuts this week.
3: Uh, as always – I will suggest – I will emphasize it more this week, but I suggest everyone go read the player notes underneath the positional rankings in the column because that's where I usually have my my all my deep cuts and be like, and, or, if, or situations just in case. The only one I really have is that I know we were looking to pick up someone in the Dolphins' backfield, um, and DeAndre Washington did get active. He did out-snap and out-touch Matt Breida. Having said that, this team still had 34 pass attempts to 10 running back carries through three quarters. Uh, until garbage time, they literally ditched uh, the running the ball altogether all and just attacked through the air. Maybe that was a concerted game plan against the Jets secondary. Maybe it wasn't. But either way, Ryan Fitzpatrick was good, as he's been all year long, minus week one against the Patriots. So we more or less depend on that passing game with Fitzpatrick than we do depend on any of the running backs, especially with... Perhaps Miles Gaskin and Savannah Meg back this week. Also, Brian Hill lets you down. I understand that. And he's let us down every single time he's gotten this position. Um, there are two things here. One, they play the Saints defense again this week. So maybe he lets you down again, right? Like the Saints still have not allowed a 100 yard rusher since 2017 against Samaj P. Ryan. Having said that, Brian Hill had 13 touches to Ito Smith, six through three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, Eto Smith out-tucked Hill 10-1. to That's why it looks like Eto Smith out-snapped Brian Hill, because the game was so out of hand, because the Raiders decided not to show up on Sunday, that they just put in their backup running back. So Brian Hill's still the workhorse here. Do you trust him, though, is the real question? I don't think I do. I'll talk about it a little bit more in depth in the column, but other than that, nothing else really to see here.
2: All right. That's gonna do it for us. Again, everyone out there, go and check out John Daigle's column. We have two more podcasts. Hopefully, with all the news out of the way, hopefully Great. a game is played. We have three more podcasts. Oh wait, two this more podcasts week, this week, this week, just this week.
3: Oh, I thought you meant like, waivers this
2: week. We've got two more. The
3: big guys have already told me waivers pod through week seventeen, so we'll still be here, <laughs> buddy. Don't worry.
2: Yeah, that's true. I mean, we're gonna keep it going throughout the uh, more wait fantasy playoffs. Hopefully, this game gets played on Wednesday. Because if not. The trickle down could make things very, very awkward. And maybe we have a week 18, John Daigle. That's nope. a possibility as well. All right. Nope. All right. That's going to do it for us. For Dagzy, I'm Josh Norris. Up the villa. Screw you, Var. Talk to y'all soon. See ya.
0: <laughs>